Good morning. And welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Brian Berman, and I serve as a member of the TV ministry team. Oh, come, let us adore us, adore him. And Merry Christmas. Can we all say Merry Christmas so the TV audience and the people watching the streaming can hear us? Merry Christmas. Amen. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. We bring our spiritual hungers to this place, O oh God, hoping to be fed. We bring our weariness, expecting to find rest for our souls. We bring our dullness, asking that we might be alerted to those things that you consider important. We come because we want the scattered fragments of our lives to come together in a meaningful wholeness. You have promised to be with us. Reveal yourself to us here. We pray in the name of one who came to share our common lot. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Thank you.
Today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we will light the candle which symbolizes peace and the message of good news. Listen to the scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 2 and 6 to 9, which reveal the good news. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ. On this last Sunday of Advent, let's listen to the Word of God. The Word of God says, rejoice always. Do we? Or do we often sulk about things that don't go right? 
The Word of God says, pray without ceasing. But how long during this season has it been since we thought about him? The Word of the Lord says, give thanks in everything. Do we? But it is often fleeting because we think perhaps there may be more blessings we deserve. The Word of God says, hold fast to what is good. Do we? But it's often about our tendency to hold on to sinful ways of thinking. On this final Sunday of Advent, let us remember these oft-occurring lapses in our lives and pray together the prayer of confession. Gracious God, in whom all things are possible, we confess that we have doubted what we cannot explain. We have sought strength and enjoyment apart from you. We have taken pride in ownership more than giving praise through stewardship. We have neglected to thank you, either in good times or when you have supported us during days of uncertainty. We have resisted the newness of your offer. Forgive us, we pray, for installing ourselves as reigning deities. Lead us rather in paths of trust and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. We can rejoice in the Lord with an everlasting covenant sealed by love and mercy. God has clothed each one of us with salvation. He's covered us with righteousness. The prophets have promised this good news and in our coming, Lord, this promise was fulfilled. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. join together in that wonderful historic affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, <clears throat> maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, <clears throat> the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now in the spirit of Christmas especially, let's circulate and greet one another.
Good morning. Merry Christmas. We are glad that you're with us as we find ourselves, whether we're ready for it or not, the fourth Sunday of Advent, just a few days shy of our Christmas Eve and Christmas celebrations. We hope that you have found this to be a good place along the journey as you make your way to Bethlehem. We especially welcome you if you happen to be visiting with us today, perhaps even for the first time. We hope that you will uh, come back and join us again as we continue in our journey to Bethlehem and beyond. We would invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pew and pass those to your neighbor. Love to have you put your name there so that uh, we can put name and face together and welcome you after the service, perhaps to join us under the tree for a cup of coffee and some further conversation. We will be worshiping uh, many times over the course of this week, and we hope that you will find each time to be an invitation for you to come and join us as we worship the newborn Savior. Tonight we have our longest night service. Uh, this is the longest night of the year, and we take advantage of this night to provide a chance for those of you who find Advent and Christmas a difficult time, a struggle, for one reason or the other, to join us at six o'clock in the chapel, where we'll have a time to reflect upon the light that shines in all of our darknesses and to worship in a quiet and meditative way and reflect upon how Christ is present even in the times of difficulty. So at six o'clock tonight, our longest night service. And then for something very different, on Tuesday night, we have our first Christmas Eve, Eve beach service. We have uh, Easter sunrise service. We have a Christmas Eve Eve sunset service at five o'clock over on Siesta Key. We would love to have you join us. Our garden people are leading that worship experience and it will be a wonderful time of uh, reflecting again the light that shines in the darkness and to do it in a way that hopefully will be an invitation to many in our community to join us in that time, weather permitting. So if uh, it's bad weather, we will not be having the service at all, but if it is or it seems dicey, come out and see what it looks like and we'd love to have you there. On Christmas Eve, we will be worshiping four times here in the sanctuary at five, seven, nine, and 11, our family service at five o'clock. For those of you who have grandchildren or children that would uh, perhaps find that to be a helpful time where we worship as families, as a part of the family of God. You don't have to have a family to come to that service. You're welcome to come in any form or fashion, but we would love to have you there. And prior to that service and prior to the seven and nine o'clock services, we invite you to take a look at the not live nativity that we will have out in our courtyard. You'll you already see sort of the makings of that. And uh, Jeff McCauley and his uh, youth will be there to uh, lead us in uh, a reflection on the live nativity. And so take that journey, leave room for that before you come here and have a seat in the sanctuary for our five, seven and nine services. And then of course we have our 11 o'clock service that we invite you to join us as well for. And then beginning in January, we have our, our new Oasis service that will begin on the 7th of January, Wednesday night, every Wednesday in the chapel, we're gonna do a midweek worship, an oasis from the hustle and bustle of the week to come and reflect upon the presence of God. So we would love to have you join us every Wednesday night beginning on January the 7th. We have been telling our stories throughout the course of hearing God's story through the scriptures. And Dorothy Schnabel is with us this morning who is here to share with us a little bit about the story that she experienced in her work in Stephen ministry.
morning. I would like to tell you what it has meant to me to have had a Stephen minister. In October of 2008, my husband was unexpectedly diagnosed with lung cancer and given three months to live. I shared that difficult news with friends in the Sunday morning class that I regularly attended. Someone said, you should have a Stephen minister. The church member who matched Stephen ministers with those desiring one asked me about our family, my hobbies and interests, and my faith. Then she said, I have just the right person for you, Faye Mercer. And for your husband, we have a Stephen minister too, Paul Mercer, Faye's husband. We were doubly blessed. When I met Faye, I felt very comfortable with her. She is a very caring, she has a very caring manner and listens well. She assured me that I could speak in confidence she made a co commitment to visit me regularly and to pray for me. After a few months of chemotherapy, my husband died in May of 2009. I started a period of bereavement. At the same time, I was struggling with a difficult to treat lung disorder when that problem and a few others were finally brought under control. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Faye and her husband, Paul, took me to the Moffitt Cancer Center for the first surgery, and Faye took a day off to be with me for the second surgery. Faye was faithfully there for me over a period of several years. I looked forward to her visits. I shared concerns about health treatment options, concerns about the health and care of my disabled nephew, and frustrations about legal issues that delayed settling my husband's state according to his wishes. We also shared joys, like favorite readings from devotions and the Bible, especially the Psalms, and stories of how God works in the lives of his people, and we prayed together. I knew that I had been blessed with a very special friend. Today, Faye continues to be a very dear person in my life. We now meet as friends to share and to pray together. So to Faye and to all of our Stephen ministers, thank you for serving in this very special mission of compassion.
Okay. <laughs> I'd like to invite our new members to come forward. Over this past month, a dozen or so new folks have joined our church. Come on over here and just make your way across the front here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to have you all with us this morning. And uh, now that I have you looking at me, I'm going to ask you to turn around and look at them. <laughs> and uh, yes, good looking group of people, huh? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Only good looking people join this church, I just know. <laughs> I guess that would eliminate me. Um, so if, uh, when I call your name, if you wouldn't mind raising your hand uh, to let folks know who you are, Paul and Paula Drake here in the front, Bumper and Catherine Lee over here, and Aaron Evanson right there in the center, and Carol and Dee Simon over here, and Dick Brent over here. And he joins with his wife, Anna, who couldn't be with us today. So we now ask you to turn and turn toward me, unfortunately. You have uh, been a part of our newest uh, member classes and you have discovered what it means to be a part of Church of the Palms, to be about this common mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. And we are grateful that you are at this point in which you will publicly profess your faith in Jesus Christ by answering these questions. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Amen. Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Yes. And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Yes. You have answered these questions, and by doing so, have, in fact, made your public profession of faith before God's people. You become a part of this great covenant family. You find within us this body of people who are willing to walk alongside of you as we seek to carry out the most important mission of the world, which is to be disciples and to make disciples in the world. And so we hope that you will find this to be a welcome group of people that will join you in that journey. So to that end, let me pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have welcomed these people into the life of the church that when they walked through the door, they were welcomed into the life of the church because it is your spirit who welcomes us into the life of the church. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you have given each of us a mission, a mission to be and to make disciples and to be equipped toward that end. We thank you, Lord, that you have joined these people through your Holy Spirit into this body and ask, O oh Lord, that together as we seek to be the light of the world, that people will see through what we say and what we do, that there is hope that there is one born in Bethlehem, that there is a Savior who has come to redeem us. And so we pray that you will fill them and fill us all with your Holy Spirit, that we truly may discover your presence in our life, and that through our presence in the world, the world may see that God has come to be with us, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So bless us and bless us all in this endeavor, for we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you welcome these people again into the life of the church? presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings. with your grace 
Give us faith so we'll be saved. Lead us to a place. Guide us with your grace. Give us faith so Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, we give you thanks for the love that you have given us to a point that you should give your only begotten Son. As we wait for Jesus' birth and prepare ourselves to celebrate his arrival, we are grateful and thankful and we bring these gifts to show a bit of our gratitude for your love. We pray that you'll accept these gifts and make them the instruments of your love and peace and joy to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated as our children and Lori come forward. Good morning. Wow. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Whoops, I got away, excuse me. Good morning. Hello, hi Caroline, good morning. Oh my gosh, you guys look so beautiful. Pastor Steve is right, only good looking people join here. So great. Hello, hello. So I don't know if you know, but we are four days until we're gonna celebrate Christmas. In two days, you can celebrate at the beach. In three days, you can celebrate right here at 5 in our family worship service or at 7, 9, or 11. So I thought it might be helpful if we just talked a little bit about what we're celebrating. So today, I know I usually just talk to you guys, but this is an all-play. This is for everybody. So you have to pay attention and listen to the different characters that are in the Christmas story because we're all going to vote at the end which one we would want to be or which one maybe we feel like, we're, like we are. So we'll start with the angels. We don't know really what angels look like, but we imagine they have some really cool wings. So not only would you get some pretty awesome wings, you would get to fly. So you can't be afraid of heights if you're going to be the angel, right? So let's see, what did that angel say? She said, he said to Mary, he or she said to Mary, you're going to have a baby. Said to Joseph, uh, name the baby Jesus. Said to those shepherds, don't be afraid. Jesus is born. Go, go quick and go celebrate. And they were singing gorgeous songs. So think about if you might want to be an angel. Next, you could possibly be Mary. 
Now I know most of you are not mothers yet. Half of you are not mothers and never will be. But <laughs> being a mother is one of the greatest joys of my life. If you're Mary, you are gentle and kind. And an added bonus, you get to ride on a donkey. <sighs> Next, you could be Joseph. Now, Joseph is a man's man. Joseph builds things with wood. He's got a quiet strength, deep integrity and character. <sighs> Guess what? If you're Joseph, you don't have to be in the spotlight. You will just love and serve God in your own quiet way. Joseph, think power tools. <laughs> Next, you could be a shepherd. Now, the shepherds, you know, they're minding their own business, taking care of their sheep. Those angels came out in the sky and said, go, go, because Jesus has been born. So they get to run really, really fast. They're the first ones to go worship Jesus. So that is pretty cool. If you are a shepherd, you love nature. You love animals. You love sleeping out under the stars and roasting marshmallows at a campfire. Shepherds, pretty cool. And guess what? You get to run a lot and hoop and holler. And I know some of you are shepherds. <laughs> Finally, last but not least, you could be a wise man or woman, as the case may be. You have lots of money, jewelry, clothing, if you're into that kind of thing. You love to travel. You have a pretty good sense of direction. But you are willing to give loads and loads of your riches to worship Jesus. And you, too, get to ride a camel. So, those are the choices. You have five choices, people. We're going to start in the beginning. Who sees themselves as an angel? Singing, stand up. If you see yourself singing praise, this is an all play. Do you see yourself as an angel? <laughs> I would think there would be someone in the choir that would think singing is like the way to show. <laughs> all you people, there's a couple. Stand up if you see yourself as an angel. Got a couple angels here. Thank you. Excellent. Next, how about Mary? Who would see themselves as being the mother of the Son of God? Wow, thank you. <laughs> see, they know how the story ends. It's like, it is not easy being a mother, people. Thank you. How about Joseph? Any woodworkers? Any power tools? Quiet, strength. Yes, yes. Look at that. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Excellent. Thank you, men. All right. Anyone who loves the outdoors, loves animals, loves sleeping out at night, campfires. Ah, oh, nice, nice. All right. Last but not least, a little bit of money, a little bit of travel, good sense of direction. <laughs> and Luca is going to do all of them. Nice, Davis. Excellent. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. You can have a seat. So, you know, no matter who we are, God is writing us into his story. We all play a part of the story. We all get to worship Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for that love story that you're still writing with our names right in the middle of it. Fill us up so that after we're done worshiping Jesus here, we go out into the world sharing that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's go, guys. Will you be the very end to make sure everyone
may be seated. Continuing in God's great story, and with particular attention to this season of the prophets, we find ourselves in the book of Jonah, the first three verses of the first chapter. Hear the word of God. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, God, go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Then from the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter, beginning at the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus, this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. And we pray, O Lord, that these words will only echo the word just read and the word made flesh, that we too may come and worship him for we pray it in Christ's name, amen. One of the many gifts I did not receive from the good Lord when he created me was the spiritual gift of shopping. <laughs> I am not a shopper. It's not that I don't shop, I do. I'm happy to Christmas shop for my friends and family. But if there's any way of describing my approach to shopping, it would be commando shopping special forces shopping. My idea of shopping is get in, identify the target, purchase the target, and get out as soon as possible. (laughs) Browsing is not in my shopping lexicon. If I'm inside a mall for longer than a half hour, my throat begins to close up. (laughs) 
All this came to mind when a few days ago I took my turn ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. If you ever want a little view into the breadth of human nature, just take a couple of hours ringing the bell. It is a fascinating study. Now the truth is, people for the most part are extremely nice and very generous. Many, many people stop to make a donation. It may be due in part to the reindeer antlers I was wearing. <laughs> That's beside the point. But you can sort of divide people up, this parade of people that go past the bucket into three groups. Those who are on a mission, commando shoppers. The commando shoppers kind of look just straight ahead. They're may be a bell ringing, there may be a guy with antlers on, there may be a Merry Christmas being extended, but these people are on their way to achieve their objective. It's not that they are normally generous people, I can imagine they are, it's just right then in that moment they've got a job to do and they don't want anybody in their way. Others, though in a hurry, still somehow hear the bell, see the antlers, respond to the greeting. They may not even put money in the bucket, but they kind of see what's happening and they engage it. Then there's also the third group, and that's those who are talking on their phones. <laughs> I could be out there with a 10-piece band and nothing would distract them from their conversation or the text that they are texting. All in all, what you discover when you stand still is what happens around you. And what happens around you as you're ringing that bell is that people have either no time to stop or little time to stop or paying no attention at all. Because what? We're all in a rush, the holiday rush. A columnist from the San Francisco Chronicle once made this observation. Every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed. Every morning, a lion wakes up. It knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve. Doesn't matter then whether you're a lion or a gazelle, when you wake up, you better be running. And run we do. I don't know what your days are like, but if your days are like mine, you get up in the morning, you spend just a moment orienting yourself, where am I? <laughs> what day is this? What do I have to do? And then not long into our conscious moments, there comes this flood of things to do. There comes this, this presentation that I have to make at work. There comes this call I have to make. There comes this schedule of appointments I have to keep. There comes this house I have to clean. These children I have to show for. These tests I have to take. And off we go and off we go and we run faster and faster. And maybe along the way we get a little snippy. We get a little rude. Or maybe to put it more gently, we get a little intolerant of interruption. And they come, if you're like any normal human being, into your daily life, there comes a series of interruptions, things you were not planning on, a phone call from someone you don't particularly want to talk to, an unexpected traffic jam, your child calls from, sick, from school sick, your boss needs to meet with you, your secretary needs to talk to you, your car has a flat tire, your plumber can all of a sudden come this morning and the next time he can come is in three years. There are these interruptions that can take us off track of our running to get things done. And these, and these interruptions can drive you crazy. Why? Because we're living the commando life. And then comes that moment where there appears in your life someone who looks like just another interruption and you don't have the time and then you look again and that person is your spouse, that person is your child, 
That person is your best friend. That person is your parent. And you say to yourself, what has my life become? Whatever, where have I gone? Why is this person an interruption? Why am I running so fast that this person is an interruption? Who am I? That's a little of what the story of Jonah is about, I think. We've been in this season of the prophets in our Advent journey, and Jonah is one of the prophets. He's really sort of the anti-prophet, because unlike all the other prophets, Joseph hears the voice, Jonah hears the calling voice of God, and he runs the other way. Jonah hears the bell, sees the reindeer antlers, heads for the other entrance to the store. He jumps on a ship and flees to Tarshish. The call is eastward to Nineveh. Jonah heads westward to Tarshish. For lots of reasons, I'm sure, maybe he doesn't like Gentiles. Perhaps he doesn't have the time. Perhaps he's on a commando mission to achieve what he wants to get done. But bottom line for Jonah, the call of God came as interruption. So here's the question. Is God serving as an interruption? in your life. Jorgen Moltmann, the German theologian, says that when we think of Advent, when we think of the coming of God, we must never think in terms of interruption because God seldom works in interruptions. Interruptions imply a momentary pause until we go back to our normal routine. No, says Moltmann, when we think of the coming of God, when we think of Advent, when we think of God intersecting our lives, we must never think in terms of interruption. We must think in terms of conversion. Advent is the season of conversion. He goes on to say that the prophets were the converted ones. The prophets had been converted by the Spirit of God to believe that someday God was going to save his people. They never let go of this hopeful view of the future. God was not interruption. God was afoot to bring redemption despite the darkness, despite the times at hand, despite the hopelessness. God did, was bringing redemption. God didn't interrupt the regular program. God was the regular program. So all this makes me wonder about our friend Joseph, silent Joseph. Everyone in the Advent and Christmas stories has something to say except Joseph. No speeches, no oracles, not even a word in edgewise. The shepherds talk, the angels talk, the wise men talk, Mary talks, and the only thing that Joseph seems to do is dream. Joseph is a dreamer. And so if there's anyone who seems to drive the story other than God himself, it is Joseph. Joseph takes Mary as his wife. Joseph enrolls them to be counted in Bethlehem. Joseph names the baby Jesus. Joseph takes the family to Egypt. Joseph returns the family from Egypt. Joseph settles the family in Nazareth. Joseph drives the Christmas story without saying a word. Joseph serves as the heroic protagonist, and perhaps the reason why Joseph drives the story is that somewhere along the way, there had been a conversion. 
Somewhere along the way, God was no longer for him an interruption because somewhere along the way, Joseph came to see that the unfolding story of God had less to do with him and more to do with what God might be up to, what God might be up to. God wasn't interrupting the program. God was the program. So the silent prophet sets himself to quietly divorce his wife-to-be for she has apparently crossed an immoral threshold, it seems the only thing to do. Too disgraceful to give blessing to pregnancy outside of wedlock, Joseph must separate himself from the stain of marriage. But then comes this dream, and it's the dream of an angel. Now, I don't know much about dreams. I'm told that you dream all the time. Most of our dreams we're not aware of, too buried in our subconscious, but there are some dreams we remember, and I don't know about you, but I usually dream about things that have been on my mind already. I usually dream about something that is already deep inside my soul. I usually dream about something that has already occupied my heart. Dreams usually tell you who you are. So when Joseph dreams of an angel who wonders whether God might be up to something in this morally suspect fiance, might the scriptures be telling us something about Joseph, that Joseph was a prophet who had room in his dreams for angels. Joseph was a prophet who had room in his dreams for angels. And because Joseph had room in his dreams for angels, Joseph gets to be the one, at least in the Gospel of Matthew, who drives the story. He took Mary as his wife. He named the child Jesus. And sure enough, the dreams keep coming. Angels have found Joseph's dreams as welcome places. Go to Egypt, they say. Return to Palestine, they say. Settle in Nazareth, they say. They keep showing up in the silent prophet's dreams because it's what he has been thinking about all along. He's been thinking all along that Somewhere he has been converted. He has been converted to the proposition that God's up to something here, that God was the regular program, that the call to Mary, the travel to Bethlehem, the escape to Egypt, to settle Nazareth, these were not interruptions of the regular program. They were the program. Advent invites conversion. And these days, the story for us takes a turn. We've made our way through the Old Testament story. The God of covenant encounters his people through creation, fallenness, brokenness, wilderness, settlement, command, and exile. But now, God enters the world. He comes in the flesh, and he will not serve as interruption. He comes as flesh to convert us, to invite us to follow him in Jesus, to make our plans around Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus, to make Jesus the regular program, to make our dreams welcome places for angels. And what that means is that you and I look different in January than we do in December. Are you ready for that? To look different in January than in December. Not unlike our old friend Scrooge, remember Scrooge? 
It was a most traumatic Christmas Eve for the old miser. Traumatic, of course, because his dreams were unwelcome places for angels. But then what? There comes the conversion, the visits of the spirits, and then Scrooge wakes up and Dickens ends the tale with these words. From that morning on, Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city town or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh and little heeded them for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset and knowing such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes and grins as having the malady in less attractive forms. His own heart laughed and that was quite enough for him. Yeah, I bet, I bet they laughed at the silent prophet who took Mary as his wife and did not know her until she had borne a son. Oh, I bet they laughed every time the quiet Joseph did something crazy with his crazy dreams. But that's okay. That's what happens to prophets. They get laughed at. That's what happens when you try to do some crazy good thing. You get laughed at. But that's okay. It's the laughter in your heart that matters. So is God serving for you as interruption? Because you know, interruption never gets us to the laughter. Conversion gets us to the laughter. Conversion gets us to the dreams. Conversion gets us to the angels who find homes in our dreams. Heavenly visitors there to tell us that we too have a part in the story so that in the end it may be said of us that we through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ were as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a people as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.